Today's TribCast is presented by Baylor University. Baylor is committed to student safety and well-being, providing leadership in prevention, response, and care for those impacted by sexual violence. Learn more at baylor.edu slash the facts. Also, Walmart. In 2016, Walmart spent $67.4 billion with Texas suppliers, supporting 313,000 jobs. Learn more at blog.walmart.com. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, ah, oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are in Texas This is Irving Mayor Beth Van Dyne. Saturday is Election Day in cities across the wonderful state of Texas, so get out and vote. But it won't be for me, since I'm not running for re-election. You can thank my good friend Evan Smith for that, since he insisted on endorsing me. Hashtag Trib Kiss of Death. I hope you enjoy this week's amazing, insightful, and downright entertaining Tribcast. And now, here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the Tribcast for the first week of May. I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith, who's shaking his head already. I'm in such a mood. Great. Thanks for joining us today. (laughs) Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. Are you in a mood? Sure. And political reporter Patrick Svitek. Good afternoon. I assume that the... uh the organic Midwestern earnestness and cheerfulness of Svitek will be the tonic I need today for the next half hour. Svitek exactly. is also really good at knowing exactly what time of day it is. He always knows whether to say good morning or good afternoon. He does? Yeah, he just said good afternoon. Like, it just rolled right off, even though it's only 12.15. See, I always cloak it. Howdy. Work Howdy. 24 hours a day. Yeah. Svitek is... Well, I assume we just usually do it early afternoon, so... Svitek appeals to our you best angels. You know what angels. they say about assumptions. <laughs> Make an ass out of me and Svitek? Uh, yes, exactly. Both of you. Well, last week at this time, we were joined by uh, state representatives Mary Gonzalez and Jonathan Stickland, and we were... Uh, or apparently not speaking now. Uh, yeah, apparently, actually, I talked to Representative Gonzalez uh, last night, and she said she is actually speaking to folks again over the Sanctuary Cities debate, which we... we Anyway, we had a conversation last week about the impending Sanctuary Cities debate. It has now passed. It was um, probably even more dramatic than folks anticipated which one of you can give us a rundown of what that night was like and um, and what ended up happening? Brandy Grissom can give us a rundown. Yeah. Well, she know, has a good story in the morning news about what happened. She's a good writer. Yep. They did a, they did a nice job on it. You know, the, the House went in with a um, lighter bill than the Senate did. The Senate had a very strong bill on, on sanctuary cities. The House went in a little bit different angle, but left it open to, in the words of Charlie Guerin, the sponsor of the will of the House. And the will of the House was, Always dangerous. we want a bill that looks more like the Senate. And they amended and amended and amended it and got a bill that is strong enough on sanctuary cities and on all of the conservative points or most of the conservative points that the Senate made that the Senate might just say, you know, we'll just take this and concur. I don't know that they'll go to conference. Beyond the Schaefer Amendment, which was the focus of right. so much uh, attention and contentiousness over that day. Why don't you talk about that? What amendment? else? Well, the, talk- well, the Schaefer Amendment is basically the show us your papers amendment. It shifts the burden from arrest to detainment, right? Yeah, it says basically right. if you're stopped, the police can ask for your papers. Right. And- my, my, my point is, other than the Schaefer Amendment, how did the House, men, uh, how did the House bill get amended in a way that made it more like the Senate? The Rinaldi Meaning- Amendment. Meaningfully. A Rinaldi Amendment to the Schaefer Amendment, which was um, basically allowing, you know, moving the liability for a sheriff or a police, um, sheriff's department or a police um, 
organization to the chief or to the sheriff itself. That's something Greg Abbott wanted in particular with, you know, he has a picture of Sally Hernandez on his dartboard, the Sorry. Travis County Sheriff. Thank you. And, um, you know, a couple of things like that moved it from being a, you know, it's just a more a broader sanctuary cities bill than the House originally thought. You know, what a lot of people were talking about in the run-up to this was the House passed a bill in 2011 that was um, basically around how long you could and under what circumstances you would hold someone the feds wanted you to hold on immigration charges in a county or a local lockup. And the Senate didn't like that in 2011 for various reasons. The Senate came back with bills in 2013 and 2015 the House didn't like. And this time, you know, one of the one of the thoughts was, well, the House will come up with something like its 2011 bill. The Senate will come up with something stronger than that. They'll go negotiate it out, and we'll go from there. Instead, instead of, you know, negotiating it out there, you know, a light bill, a heavy bill, throw it to committee, they basically both have heavy bills now. And, you know, I think there's a reasonable right. chance the Senate will just say, we'll take the House bill. And you wrote a column this week saying correctly that while we all assumed the bathroom bill was going to be the thing that was going to blow up the kumbaya nature of this legislative session to the which was there weak, even which was, was one, tea to begin right, with, right? that actually it turns out that the Sanctuary Cities bill, yeah. the long tail of it, may be the thing that divides everything. Yeah, Ross had an, I actually wrote down this line because I thought it was so good. The sore feelings, fears, anger at, and empathy for immigrants and minorities that surfaced in the debate over SB4 will permeate the last month of this session like smoke through a brisket what a poet um the mm, you know brisket. the idea that <laughs> Says the, the thing that was different about this in a normal fight is you know the legislature fights all the time it's it's built for fighting but this was personal right and a lot of members a lot of members were i thought in, i counted sweet tech i thought it. i counted the number of people who cried at one of the two mics I kind of put it, I think, at four. Is that right? We had a lot of people I wasn't get counting, very but emotional. Evan had a, certainly a emotional. running tally. Yeah. I did. Marking off I was, I was checking off. Certainly, right. certainly emotional. You know, Gene, Gene Wu told very, uh, very emotionally told his family's story. Um, Mary, uh, Gonzalez Mary Gonzalez obviously talked, talked very personally. Being sexually assaulted and how, you know, she feared that it would prevent people from coming forward to the police. And you right. basically said at one point, you know, anybody who votes for this amendment, uh, I'm done with you. Ana Hernandez, who has told a version of this story before, talked about right. being an undocumented resident of this country herself for a period of time. Right. Um, obviously, Victoria Niave had been um, fasting up until the right. day of right. this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a really... It was a fraught day. It was really at this time it's personal thing. Right. It was, you right. know, it wasn't just a legislative fight. It was, you know, and I think part of what was going on on the floor was, don't you realize that this actually is personal? Right. And, and, and people are some, still super some pissed. dissonance over that. Even though the outcome of this was not entirely surprising, right. people knew that this bill was going to pass in some fashion. Mm -hmm. There, were, there are legislators who, after the fact, are still lit up. Some of the oh, jaws sure. are still set, right? Sure. Well, and, and what Brandy's story reported something that I think a lot of us had heard versions of uh, was this concept of the Democrats having had an opportunity to potentially cause the Schaefer Amendment to go away in exchange for pulling down the majority of the amendments that were set to be heard for the for the yeah. balance of that day. Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting to see the uh, different segments of the blame game unfold in the wake of this from, from people who were obviously not in favor of this amendment. It seems, you know, some people blame Democrats for not taking this alleged deal, which I think is it's that that account has been in dispute, but that's been one part of the blame right. game. Another part of the blame game, I think, has been toward House leadership, which I think some people have thought in the past on these very uh, incendiary issues would kind of be like the safety net um, for these uh, these more I don't want to call them radical, but more extreme amendments. And in this case, clearly that wasn't the case. Well, Ross is. I had came back from. Uh, I had. 
I met with somebody in the building the other day who came back and said, look, the problem was that the Democratic caucus was in a position to potentially take the deal, you know, down the path of the negotiation a little bit, and that there were a couple of Democrats who insisted that, no, this is the time to fight. And I, mm -hmm. those right. names were not told to me, but the Brandy Grissom story reports well, there were, Cesar there Blanco, were, Armando Wally, and Roland, uh, Roland Gutierrez. Right, are, they, right. She names those three mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah, the first named in the quorum report. As the right. three who um, uh, were saying essentially to the majority of Democrats in the caucus, no, we don't take the deal. We need This is a moment right. to fight. I came back and talked to Ross about this, and Ross' response was, rather than the Democrats blaming the Democrats, maybe the Democrats should blame the Republicans. <laughs> well, you know, since they were the ones who voted for the damn thing. Right. They, right? they got offered a deal between, you know, take the bill you hate or the bill you really, really hate, and they, you know, they just said, you know, this is on you. And the Republicans, you know, 80 or 90, depending on how you want to count the vote, the vote on the Schaefer Amendment or the vote on the um, final bill passage, you know, the the credit and blame goes to the people who prevailed, and that was, in this case, Republicans. Well, and the GOP wasn't totally aligned on this, right? I mean, you had lawmakers like Byron Cook who were basically saying this uh, amendment. You had nine yeah. vote against—is yeah. it nine? Am I correct? Yeah, it was nine. Voting against the Schaefer Amendment, Byron Cook for Price, but Dan who, Huberty, Lyle Larson, Linda Koop. Right. But it wasn't a deal breaker. Those, right. those Most of those voted for the bill. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of questions on right. Facebook All on this. Voted I don't know that any Republican voted against Sarah the Davis bill as passed. Not there on the floor. Right, right, right. But Sarah Davis voted for the bill. Right. So if this bill yeah, becomes right. law, Nathan wants to know what will be the consequences for cities that decide not to enforce federal laws. I think there's going to be a bunch of lawsuits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think you know there's there's right. there are some lawsuits there. But the bill has some penalties for cities and specifically for agencies and I, you know, police agencies and other agencies right. that don't comply. And mm -hmm. so you know, there's a class yep. C misdemeanor built into this. You know, it's. No, notably, the, the continuing resolution that passed to keep the government open for a period of a month, I guess, um, is that is it a month that the the, tr the thing that just passed Congress? So it, was, mm -hmm. it was a week. Well, there was a week, and then there's a deal struck through September. But I thought the deal struck through September, interestingly enough, does not um, ban funding for sanctuary cities. Right. Among other things, it yeah. does not do that was that had been right. promised by the president. Right. Yeah. So. Lots of people saying on Facebook that they see lawsuits looming on the horizon. Cheryl and Anjanette are asking about that. Um, a question from Aubrey. What can Democrats do if sanctuary cities passes both chambers? Wouldn't it indicate that they have absolutely no opposition power? Well, they got rolled. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, they got beat in both both houses and they're, you know, on a party line vote. The Democrats lose. It's, is that fair? I mean, I, two to one. I, I know where you're going with this and, you know, I love you, my brother. But is it really <laughs> fair to say that the Democrats got rolled by the Republicans? Democrats got rolled at election time. Well, yeah, the die was, saying the same the thing. Die right. was cast in November yeah. when the they difference? were at a one third. Well, because the question is where the Democrats rolled in the sense that. On this particular vote, the Republicans rolled no, they them, don't, they or don't. were they rolled at election time when, as has been the case for two decades, they couldn't find their asses with a map have, and a flashlight? They don't have the they don't have the votes. They yeah. you know they can't they can't operate except in coalition. I actually with, think in that respect, some Republicans. I, I would submit no way for that in Democrats that respect, they're blameless. Mm -hmm. Democrats can't well, solve a problem when the numbers are stacked against them. Right. So what is the aftermath of this House vote ban? I mean, we've seen protests, we've seen some arrests, we've seen Art Acevedo, the former Austin police chief, now the Houston police chief, weighing in. What are we What are we hearing in the aftermath? Well, I mean, you know, there's a it's the timing of this is interesting, just you know, inside baseball. But the you know, we're in the last two weeks really of the House considering its own bills on the floor, and 
if you need cooperation or you need somebody to let you cut a corner or you need a little bit of a, a little bit of forbearance from somebody a lot of that's gone you know the that's where the relationships count and you know to the extent that they actually messed with relationships it's a critical time to do that you know as we go forward you know this is a bill that Abbott asked for the governor asked for if it goes out in something like the form the House and Senate passed, I think he'll sign it. And the minute you know a governor puts pen to paper, it's the governor's bill, and then we'll go into lawsuits. And I but think we'll Democrats, be talking about this in the 2018 election. The Democrats can't avenge this loss. No, no I mean, well, even even Representative Gonzalez yesterday, I was I said, you know, so are you still not talking to any of your you know GOP colleagues? And she was like, well, no, that lasted all of like 24 hours. She was like, I have to get stuff done the rest of the session. So, tail the tape, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll so. resume hating them again the day after Memorial Day. Right. How were How were she and uh, Briscoe Kane yesterday? They were terrific. They were yeah. both entertaining. Yeah, good crowd. They came out to one of our on the record events last night, so it was it was good to have them. That guy is definitely. Young. They're Interest. both young. Well, I was it's amazing. Say, I was going to say interesting. Also probably young. Flies by his own set of coordinates. Right. No longer wears bow ties. His staff has put the kibosh on that so that he looks older than he is. I still think he looks like Elijah Wood in the faculty. Right. Doesn't he? <laughs> so do, do, do... I'm moving on. Yeah. Okay, uh, do the, Nobody saw it. Do the dynamics over uh, sanctuary cities change anything? I mean, obviously, Ross, your column was like, you know, this sort of took some of the thunder away from the bathroom legislation. But, you know, the bathroom legislation is still on the table. Uh, Patrick, what's the latest that you're hearing on, on the House version of this bill, which I think Dan Patrick called a... I mean, did he call it a, a, a Senate companion, even though they're totally different... Bills? Yeah, well, right now it's it's stuck in committee. I think Alexa right now is, is monitoring pretty closely whether it's going to get a vote this week. Uh, you know, it's kind of crunch time in terms of getting bills out of out of House committees right now. Um, it has steadily gained co-authors over the past two weeks. It's up to, up to I like believe, 44, 40, is that 49, 50 if you count uh, Ron Simmons. Mm-hmm. Almost as many as there are Democrats. <laughs> right. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And so you're seeing support build for it in that regard, but it remains to be seen whether that's, you know, all for show among members who may just know that this is never going to actually go to the floor and, you know, this may be a face-saving uh, maneuver to put their name on this. I'm this laughing, point. by the way, because we should have Alexa Ura in here and yeah. she'd be like, she's our Alexa. Alexa, tell us about the bathroom bill. Yeah, she get yeah that hasn't gotten old for her yet. <laughs> what, what, no, what, sure Dan, <laughs> what Dan Patrick said, it was, a, it was a pretty minor statement in the grand scheme of things, but he had been pretty quiet on whether he was supportive of the House's efforts to kind of come up with their own uh, alternative to this this proposal in the Senate and Senate bill that Senate Bill Six was the so-called bathroom bill in the Senate it was passed out a long time ago. He was at the Harris County uh, GOP dinner uh, on Friday night and he said we need to pass Senate Bill Six or a House Companion. That was the first time I had heard him ever bring up. So the he House's acknowledged its existence, but he didn't it. say he was for it as yeah, an alternative to his own bill. He didn't specifically right. endorse House Bill. 2899, and I've asked him face-to-face multiple times uh, what he thinks about it, but and he has dodged. But isn't calling it a companion basically an endorsement? Well, it's, yeah, but it's not a companion. I mean, I know, but I mean, if yeah. you're calling it a companion... I'd like to see footage of you repeatedly asking Patrick about that just, bill. It's not pretty. I think he's just no. saying, you know, I'm gonna count, I'm gonna, I would count the House bill as a win if I can't get the Senate bill. Right. I'm going to be surprised if the House bill gets to gets out of this committee and out of calendars to the floor because well, time, because the, the thing time about remaining this, is not yes, so well, talk about the, the calendar they, they, and what, they, they what have we're plenty of time you could yeah. do it you could do a house bill until on the on what's the, called the normal calendar until next thursday mm-hmm. a week from tomorrow <laughs> um on the floor but you can do a house bill on a on an emergency calendar or a major state calendar you can also do a senate bill so there's a little bit of time here but given what given what happened with 
the amendments on the Sanctuary City bill, and this is kind of what I was getting at in the column, you kind of know what the House will do. These are both bills where if you talk to members privately, they say, some of them say, I would, you know, I would prefer not to vote on this, but if it gets on the floor, I'm going to have to vote you know, maybe in a way that I don't want to. And and on the bathroom bill, that's been clear for a long time. I thought that Patrick's, was actually more Patrick's, the case with the bathroom bill, that in fact, if you truth serumed everybody in the House, there would be more organic yes votes for sanctuary cities among the Republicans in the House than there would be for the bathroom bill. I think organic. the Schaefer mm. Amendment and the Rinaldi Amendment on the sanctuary cities bill were examples Well, that changed. Right. So, so just to come back to this question, I ran into a, a conservative member of the House today on the street and at said, Starbucks, what's up? Be with the, no, it was not at Starbucks, <laughs> although I don't know that they it was, go to- It was outside of Starbucks. <laughs> Emily, conservatives go to Lavaza. Oh, is that the That's rule? how that works. Um, I, I, <laughs> much better for Sons, i got to say. No, I don't know. It's not for liberals? Uh, I oh, see, sweet. I see a lot, of, I I see a lot of Jordan Berry at Lavaza. I think okay, Evan's there's, right, There's actually. outliers for every political coffee Jor- friend. Jordan Berry is not an outlier. <laughs> Jordan <laughs> Berry is an outlier. No, it's <laughs> not an outlier. By the way, is this like just an extension of the conversation that conservatives have lunch at Chipotle? Ugh. Haven't you heard that? They're as long always, as nobody, like go, as long as nobody goes to Planet Sub... We good. Yeah. Wait, that's, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a sweet text. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, it's amazing. All right, so come back to the banana. Actually, about. Is it didn't, possible? didn't Greg Abbott have some press events at Lavaza during Oh, the yes, campaign, totally. Right? Okay, I so you maybe there is a point, point, <laughs> pr- point <laughs> proven. There you go. Okay. He's a big fan of the Caprese sandwich yeah, yeah. at the Planet Sub. Tyler Norris goes so to Lavaza. My, too. You had to mention him. <laughs> this is the way we used to mention Matt Makoviak in the early days when nobody listened. Now Tyler Norris is the new Matt Or Brian Rosenthal, which I can't believe you haven't brought up his name yet today. He's dead to me. He doesn't exist anymore. He's not here. I only mentioned Phil Prezen now. Listening area actually. Anymore. I only He's mentioned Sweetek's Sweet new roommate. Now Sweetek has no ping pong partners. You play in ping pong with Phil Prezen? No, I'm not. It's a, it's a big problem. Sold the table. Oh, my God. Terrible. All right, so come back to this conversation to if office. it's possible. <laughs> I had a conversation with a conservative member on the street today, and I said, what's up with the Simmons bill? And this individual said. This is the straight per- ticket. No, this individual said, the bill's got to get out of committee tonight. Or it's basically dead. Which bill? This indi- the, the Simmons bill. This individual posited somebody who's supportive which, of the Simmons bill. Which Simmons bill? The bathroom bill. Thank you. Posited to me today that tonight was the <laughs> crucial moment for that bill, and that if that bill did not get out of committee tonight, right, that that bill was not going anywhere based on the calendar. And th- and this person said exactly what you said, which is now there are other ways this could go, right? Because we also talked about the dismemberment bill, Do which not- has not gotten a hearing yet. <laughs> what? That's what. That is how what it is referred said. to. What? That is, uh, yeah, referred to. That is not. Okay. An, well, okay. An did, accurate term. Did I for miss that the bill? email with the list of ways that we can refer to legislation? Yeah, we should refer. We should talk okay, about what, what, anti-abortion how, how legislation. I, how do I call accurately. that bill? What do I call that bill? It's a bill to restrict certain types of abortions. The individual who I talked to this morning referred to it by yeah. the word that I used. Right. That's dog whistle. Okay, but you know what? This person was also trying okay. to tell me what the bill was. I just prefer for which you, bill. I prefer for you to use accurate terms. Okay, host. <laughs> I think what's interesting. JFC. On the- <laughs> this per- I'm going to just finish by effing point. Those same people do not like the term JFC. Well, TFB. <laughs> um, the point was that Senate bills exist for the purpose, in some respects, of being able to allow for bill she won't let me talk about by name, or the bathroom bill to end up alive rather than dead there, because there's ways to. to, to there to are a bunch of bills out there that. You know, I mean, we're into the season where everybody's looking for vehicles. You know, right, the, right, the, right, right. the idea that, Christmas you know, whatever trees. whatever your issue is, whether it's, you know, whatever your issue is, if your main bill is dead, you're starting to look at other bills to see where you could amend all or part of your now dead bill 
to try to right. get it through. And, you know, there's still a bunch of ways to do the bathroom bill. There's still a bunch of ways to do school vouchers. There's still a bunch of ways to do most of the things that we've talked about. As long as they're germane. Uh, so, and referred but, to by the right name. But if, well, that always. So if the this Ugh. bill has not yet moved out of committee, it was, when was that the testimony taken? Is it two, last, weeks, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, I believe. So, I mean, what's the holdup? And if it's not out yet, I mean, that doesn't look like a very good sign. Well, you can slowball a bill. And, you know, the, the first thing is you got to get this bill out of committee in time to get it to calendars, in time to get it on a calendar. Mm-hmm and heard on the House floor before the bell rings next Thursday at midnight. And so you kind of count back the deadlines from there. Right. And, and so, this is where I come back to the idea that Sanctuary well, Cities had a much better chance of being on a fast track than this one does. And right? bill and yeah. committees like state affairs yeah. only meet once a week. So if you miss a day, then, you know, you swing a whole week around. Right. And we know that Speaker Strauss has no more interest in this piece of legislation than he did in the previous one, right? That's correct. I think that's a, a safe assumption. Mm-hmm. So he's got the lieutenant governor and the governor both saying basically more or less yeah. we're cool with this yeah. House version. What I think is interesting political dynamic here uh, with implications beyond session for the 2018 election season is if I know there are a lot of moving pieces, but if this co-author list gets up toward 75 or 76 or however many votes you need to actually pass it on and the that floor. That says it's got the votes. Then right. And it never gets out of committee. It never gets right. to the floor. That could be an interesting political issue, being able to say this proposal in the House had the support to pass it, right. but it never but got to the floor. But leadership wouldn't let it out. Come, yeah. come back to right the... We've, we've had, right. we've had bills with 100 co-sponsors not get to the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's, that's an interesting mm-hmm. talking point. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Sure, but. Yeah. Come back to the governor. So you reported at some point that the governor had indicated... I want to say support, but I'm almost hesitating to say it because he didn't really say in so many words, I am for the Simmons bill. What he said was, it's a thoughtful bill. I mean, you don't call somebody thoughtful if you don't. Uh, you know what? I think, are you talking about the statement say he put out two, two weeks ago? Has think, the yeah. governor said, said the words, yeah. I support the bill? He hasn't explicitly endorsed House okay. Bill 2899, but I think the point of that statement was to direct efforts toward that consensus, what was winking. believed to be a consensus solution. You have you have Michael Sullivan and the, the movement guys on the way, way right, uh, the power guys, who are now complaining about Greg Abbott not being, um, huh. who are complaining about Greg Abbott not being in the midst of stuff enough and, and, and exp- uh, directing the activity of the House uh, and, and on this bill and others. And I heard from, again, the person I spoke to today, brought up without my bringing it up, this idea that we would really like the governor to be more in the midst of this. It might shake loose some of the stuff that is not now shaking loose. That perception is out there, unfair as it may be. There are a lot of people in the Republican Party officially elected who are afraid of the cannibals. They're afraid of the people who are out there eating Republicans who don't go 100 percent. Michael Quinn Sullivan's the most famous example of that. But, you know, the the um, right to life groups are banging the drum this week. Well, they had a press conference about the bill that I can't mention. They want want consideration of a bunch of legislation that is stuck. I mean, the the general tenor of a session at this point is my legislation concerning blank is stuck. They they filed 6,700 bills. Three have gotten to the governor's desk. Mm -hmm. Everybody's in trouble. All right. Well, just a reminder, if you're tuning in on Facebook, you can send questions our way. Uh, Patrick, you had an interesting conversation with the governor. I believe it was either earlier this week or late last week, just about sort of his thoughts on where the session is. Does he know you work for us, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) Patrick just stalks him. Um, he, He sounded very optimistic, did he not? Uh, conversation is kind of a generous, generous term. I caught him. <laughs> <laughs> I caught him leaving an event on the Capitol steps and asked him if, you know, just 
trying to gauge his outlook on the rest of the session. I think the specific question was, you know, are we going to be able to resolve budget differences by the end of this month, by the end of regular session? And he You're said, like a quote panhandle, yeah. right? <laughs> hey, buddy, hey, buddy, got a, got just one, yeah. just one. <laughs> uh, Blink once for yes, <laughs> twice for no. Yeah, and he said uh, he does. He does know. He said, Svitek, you know, I'm always confident. And he, he calls said, you Svitek? He, Everyone in this calls instance, him Svitek. he called me Svitek, and he said, uh, I feel exactly the same way I felt when we were at this point two years ago. And he said that people back then said we ended up having the best session ever. This one may even be even better than that last session. So he the was best all, session ever, ever, all confidence ever. Um, in that you know, I heard brief nothing exchange. that you said yeah. <laughs> because I'm sitting here imagining the governor calling you Svitek. Yeah. So, but no, he was all he That's was he great. was all confidence. So. Um, a question, Publicly, yeah. question from Lorena on Facebook. Is this a usual pace for the legislative session? Should Governor Abbott have had more bills to sign by this point, or is this pretty routine? They're a little late this time. They're, <laughs> you know, they're, they've been slow. Part of it was— you She know, asked good questions. There's like, a, there's like a structural break in every session for Easter. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's some, everything kind of accelerates after the Easter break, and Easter was late this year. So you can actually blame part of it on that. And— the budget Blame conversation. Easter. Well, it's just it's just that break. It's Jesus's fault. It's just, well, it's just that break where they you know sometimes it's in late March. This time it was in late April, and the budget conversation accelerated in March, and then kind of you know it's gone to conference, so that's quieted down a little bit. But everybody's looking at the calendar and going, "Whoops, eight days left." So I think we're late. All right. Um, well, we talked about this briefly last week, but now it's official. Joaquin Castro announced that he is not running for Senate, uh, meaning Beto O'Rourke, in theory, has a clear path to the Democratic nomination for that seat. Um, what Did he explain his rationale? Yeah, I think he said what a lot of people expected him to say, which is that he has these two uh, important committee assignments on the House Foreign Affairs and the House Intelligence Committees, and that he wanted to focus on uh, those two uh, posts. Um, and so, you know, clearly... Uh, I think that was, you know, that was one of the main factors, I think, going into it in terms of what he had to consider giving up um, in the House to run for, for Senate. I thought when you said we were going to talk about a young, ambitious member of the House who decided not to run for the Senate that you meant Jeff Leach. It's the season, it's the season of bugs deciding not to hit the windshield, I think. Do you want to mention that one? What's, what, no. what's the rationale there? Well, but let me do the Castro O'Rourke thing yes. first, which is I'm not, I mean, I don't think anybody is surprised by the fact that Castro mm-hmm. didn't run. I think that we all predicted in some fashion privately, publicly, or a combination that he was not going to run because it made no sense for him to get out of a trajectory that finds him should the Democrats win back the presidency in a potentially bigger and more influential Mm -hmm. position of the sort that he is both training for as a member of various committees in the House and that he is eager for, I think. Do you think if Beto had not announced that he was running that um, Castro would have run? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I'm a little less certain, but Mm -hmm. I still don't think so. I don't think so. Um, this is a hard. This is a hard race to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very. It has very... less to do with Beto or Joaquin or Ted Cruz than it has to do with the circumstances or the conditions on the ground. Mm. Right. This is a state that has not elected a Democrat. We say this all the time. Twenty-three a years. Long time. Yeah. As of right now. Yeah. If you're going to be, you, something has to be the first. But the question is, are you going to be able to make this the race? And we don't know what the situation in the country looks like or in the state looks like in 2018 yet. Mm-hmm. It may very well be that that's a competitive race. And if it's a competitive race, there are a bunch of other races on a statewide ballot that are also competitive. Yeah. And but it if, may also yeah. not be. 
and this I feel like this hasn't been mentioned as much, but if you're someone like Joaquin Castro who is constantly being mindful of how to remain on an upward trajectory politically, the graveyard of you know Texas Democratic statewide candidates uh, you know, is pretty much that, a graveyard. People who lose these races have not gone, even right. very high-profile people have but, not gone on to be very right. politically successful. Right. So, but at what point do you take the risk for your, you know, for your party? I mean, I do think, you know, not, it's a, not now, not not yet. But so then when? Well, Beto O'Rourke is running in part because he wants to win. Mm-hmm. I think he's also running as a practical matter in part because he said he was going to leave Congress after one more term anyway. Right. He has mm-hmm. much less to lose. What Joaquin Castro does not want to be is the guy in the back booth at El Mirador yeah. who people <laughs> walk by saying yeah, he used, used to be, be somebody. Guy, right. Yeah. right. He, there's no margin in being that guy. He's also in a position where he doesn't have to do anything for the party because O'Rourke's doing it. Right. Right. There's you know somebody else volunteered. You know. And plus, if his brother decides to run for president in 2020 or do something else, he has some way to channel his political fangs while still doing the work he's doing inside of Congress. And you know what? Honestly, being the guy who punches at Donald Trump over Russia or any other issue on hardball or on wherever else is not a bad gig right now. You're not lacking for work. What are your predictions for either the Castro brothers politically long term? You know, Joaquin's a legislator by professional training. He was in the Texas House and now he's doing this. He's, you know, he's He's on a really fast arc for a. He's a better legislator in Congress than in the Texas House. Would you well, agree? But but he but he learned his chops he learned and he, he learned how to work in a collaborative thing and as opposed to an executive thing. And I think he's in a position to be a player in Congress mm-hmm. and you know to go that route. Um, his brother's a little bit less. I'm less a little less sure about that. I mean, after you know housing and urban development. You know what? You know what's the next step? How do you keep yourself in the limelight? Right. You know, he obviously wants to. You know, he's talked about um, running nationally, but maybe he should know, run. There's for a Senate. lot. Of, there's a lot of spade work to do between now and then, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of other people who want to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I think Ross nailed it. I mean, I think you know Julian is looking at 2020. Um, obviously, he's going to be one of a lot of Democrats. Thousand probably are going to be looking for a way to capitalize on the right. the Democratic energy against Trump. Um, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if we mentioned this last trip cast, but at an event two weeks ago in San Antonio where both the brothers appeared, Joaquin openly said, I tried to get my brother. He was joking a little bit, but it was, seemed truthful. He tried, I tried to get my brother to run against Greg Abbott, but mm-hmm. he said no. <laughs> yeah. And, and San Nexon was kind of blushed. Yeah. Um, but I thought that that was an interesting uh, remark because I think there was some speculation that you know one of them would, would take on. And honestly, that office. gets to a point that we're not going to resolve today, but I think the Democrats are going to have to resolve at some point and hopefully some t- point for their sake soon. And that is, who's your candidate for governor? Right? I asked a Democrat yesterday at a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a Starbucks doesn't have to be the Not going to say which Congress one. Not Lovato, I said, who's your, can, who's your candidate for governor? Person shrugged. Mm-hmm. And I think there is, look, this time four years ago, Wendy Davis did not know and Democrats did not know that Wendy Davis would be the one. Right. So there's not, they're not late. But, you know. <laughs> no, that worked great. Right. <laughs> but tell me. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. But tell, but tell me who the Democratic candidate for governor is going to be. That actually will be important to know because, as you know, Mr. Institutional Memory. The, he the, just called the, you old. No, Institutional nice Memory. Mm-hmm. Institutional took Memory. A, he took a swipe at me. The, uh, the, the, the tickets that have department store mannequins at the top of them tend to not do well. Look, the Republicans for years and years ran serious candidates in races for statewide positions that they had every expectation of Of losing losing. and that they lost. And then suddenly, you know, uh, a Bill Clements gets over the line and then a Tom Phillips gets over the line and then a Rick Perry and then a Kay Hutchison. 
bada bing, bada boom. The Democrats have to run serious candidates. And they don't have a bench. Even when even when they don't think they're going to win. So And they don't have a bench. Well, didn't the Republicans didn't either. So then who are the logical Democrats well, who just, potentially you know, you look get, at the you top get, of a you ticket? Get, you get business leaders, you get mayors, you get all kinds of people like that, and you just keep trying and trying and trying and get people that voters can take seriously and wait for the other side to make a mistake. It's Arthur Ashe tennis. You know, you keep hitting the ball back until they goof. Could Sylvester Turner run for uh, governor? I'm told he would not. But that's the kind of person. Mm-hmm. Mike, I'm told an, Mike Rawlings would not. There was a big Anise Parker conversation when mm-hmm. she was mayor of Houston. I mean, this this comes and goes, but there's always people who you say, are you politically ambitious? Do you um, converse well at fundraisers? Go. Mm-hmm. Right? Anybody in the legislature this session showing chops that lead you to believe could be a statewide candidate? I don't think that's the track. Castro has said that he thinks that some state senators would actually make a good candidate for Which governor. Castro? Uh, Joaquin Castro. Okay, that, so that may be a hard case to so, make, so, considering so, that a lot of these let's do a thought experiment. Proposals there are 11. The Senate with no Which room. of the 11? Do you want, yeah, to, exactly. you want, you want to do it by <laughs> yeah, process yeah. elimination? I, I, don't think that's a tra- I don't think that's the track. Name the last yeah. Texas senator who became governor. Preston Smith. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it, take, it takes institutional memory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it takes a. It take, that's not the track. You know, you have to come up a Real different way. It's got to be a business leader or someone prominent in a local community who comes up here and you know has some version of I'm going to change the way things are in Austin. Blah blah blah. I mean, it works in the presidency. It works in governorships. That's how it goes. Mark Cuban. A person like that, a Ross Perot, a Mark Cuban, you know, blah, 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 blah. All right. If you are watching on Facebook, please drop us a line and tell us who you think will be the Democrat running for governor. <laughs> Meanwhile, that's all like the time we have. <laughs> if you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. And if you value the Tribune's nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, please consider making a donation at support.texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan, Patrick, Ross, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. 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 Texas talking.